needs to him he'll, and leave him there. He'll meet us at the point of his need, of our need. A songwriter once said that he's as close as the mention of his name. And we begin to pray. We begin to take our burdens to the Lord and leave them there. Hallelujah. What has happened here this morning, even I believe, is somebody got a shovel, came to an altar, and began to dig a ditch, as the prophet said. Begin to pray, God, save my husband, my wife, son, daughter, grandchildren, whoever it was you were praying for. And what has happened today, amen, you won't see the effects of it immediately, amen, but God is going to do the work. God is going to save, and we will see Amen. You not coming to the church doors alone. Amen. For very much longer. But there will be family that comes in tow with you as you each and every day take it to God in prayer and just get a hold of God and believe God and live the life pleasing before the Lord in front of family. Amen. Live the life pleasing before the Lord. Amen. Every day. Amen. God is a God that honors faithfulness. Just like I think it was uh, uh, Nicodemus. Amen. Um, that the Lord said, your prayer and alms have come before me as a memorial. Amen. Sometimes we pray prayers and we don't see anything happen yet. But we keep praying. We keep believing God. 
And we will see the revival in our families that God's promised us. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I mean, we're going to go a little bit differently. We'll take the offering at the conclusion of the service today. Amen. But for now, we'll go to the word of the Lord. And I'm asking you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of John. John chapter number 1. And this reading is going to be a little bit different. I'm going to show you, amen, here in a few moments what I'm talking about. John chapter 1 and verse 43. Amen. If you stand with me, it says, The day following Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And then verse 45 says, Philip findeth Nathanael. And saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Philip in that moment did not try to rationalize and argue and debate. Nathaniel, his reply was, come and see. Because experience, amen, is a revealer of truth. And facts, amen, will help to alter, whereas debate and arguments don't always suffice. Jesus saw Nathaniel coming to him. So apparently Nathaniel responded to Philip's invitation to come and see, and he went to Jesus. Because 47 says, Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, Behold an Israelite indeed, in whom is no God. He identified the character of Nathanael, and this caught Nathanael off guard. And Nathanael, verse 48, saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me, how do you know me? Not believing just yet. Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and said unto him, saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou, thou shalt see greater things than these. Everyone say greater things than these. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. But verse 50, he says, Thou shalt see greater things than these. At closer examination, the story that we read here has concluded. At a surface examination, but at closer examination, I should say, the story actually continues. Chapter 2, verse 1. And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee. And the Mary and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And, they, uh, and, they, and when they wanted wine or they ran out of wine, as the translation says, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, they have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Amen. Probably the best advice anyone, any of us could ever receive. Right. 
Whatever he says to you, do it. And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor or the master of the feast. And they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor or the master of the feast called the bridegroom and saith unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine. And when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. Amen. My title this morning, With Jesus, It Just Keeps Getting Better. With Jesus, it just keeps getting better. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I begin to read about the miracle of the water into wine in chapter number two of the book of John. And begin to, if you will, dive into some of the details and try to uncover some truths that would be applicable to our lives and would be beneficial to you and I. Amen. But chapter two The recording of St. John of the miracle of the water into wine is directly connected to the preceding verses in chapter 1, verse 43 through 51. As the calling of the disciple Nathaniel is recorded in scripture. And here in these preceding verses we see the introduction of Jesus to Nathaniel. Upon Philip finding his friend Nathaniel, he asked the question, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Implying and revealing to us that prejudices and preconceived ideas often prove the greatest obstacle in the way of of acceptance of the gospel message. In other words, our preconceived ideas and notions so oftentimes that we come to God with or we come to church with oftentimes uh, prevent us from obtaining the full promise, the full blessing of God. And God has to work through our preconceived ideas. And God has to work through our prejudices. And God has to break down the barriers that we put up against Him. And so these are some of the things that would hinder you and I as we come to God. Amen. But note also that in this encounter with Philip and his friend Nathaniel, as I mentioned a moment ago, that upon the question, Philip demonstrated wisdom. And did not try to argue and reason with Nathaniel. Instead, his response to Nathaniel's uh, question was, Why don't you just come and see? Amen. Why don't you just taste and see? Why don't you just find out for yourself? Amen. Can I tell you sometimes, amen, as we're talking to family and friends, and they begin to debate and go back and forth and try to argue and reason with you why the church is fake and full of hypocrites and, and all they want is money, all the different excuses that you've heard. Amen. You don't have to always try to argue and debate and go back and forth. But sometimes the response can just be as simple as, why don't you just come and see what I'm talking about? Why don't you just come and meet him for yourself? And then you tell me if it's real or if it's fake. But you can't tell me what it tastes like until you've tasted of the goodness of the Lord. Hallelujah. Instead, he said, come and see. And prejudices and preconceived ideas are 
very rarely changed by arguments. Amen. They can only be put aside with experience and with facts. Philip knew that once Nathaniel would meet Jesus and enter his presence, that his preconceived thoughts and notions would vanish away. Hallelujah. Can I tell you sometimes that it is your preconceived ideas, amen, that prevent you so oftentimes from receiving what God has in store for your life, from fully experiencing the blessings of God in your life. Some people say, well, I can't go to church today because I sinned yesterday. I messed up. I told a lie. I cheated. I stole. Amen. I haven't been living right. So I'll go to church when I'm ready. And the preconceived idea prevents them, amen, from coming into contact with the one that can actually fix their problems. Well, I can't, uh, I can't lift my hands because of X, Y, and Z. I, I can't worship God because of X, Y, and Z. I can't get down to an altar and give my heart to God because of X, Y, and Z. Amen. Why don't you stop trying to reason and go back and forth? And why don't you just get up and begin to lift up your hands and say, God, let me experience what you have in store for my life. Someone shall praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. You will, as verse 46 says, if you and everybody else will come and see, amen, then you can experience verse 41. You shall see. If you'll come and see, if you'll step out of your comfort zone, if you'll step into the presence of God, if you'll leave the place that you're at to go to the place that Jesus is, amen, you shall see. Amen. Because Nathaniel came and saw. Amen. Now Jesus could tell him in verse 51. You shall see. Amen. You shall see greater things than these. Jesus saw Nathaniel coming. Jesus said and told Nathaniel. And I've read this all my life and I didn't fully understand it. Till I begin to study it a little bit deeper before uh, this, before to, before coming up here, Jesus told Nathaniel. He made a statement to Nathaniel. He said, "When thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee." And you can read the Bible and think, well, just because Jesus said I saw you under a tree, how did that possibly change Nathaniel's view of Jesus and? Be able to identify him as the Messiah. Hey, brother Paul, I saw you under the tree, so therefore you must know that I'm a man of God. It's not that simple. It's not that simple. Amen. Further study of the statement leads the reader to the understanding that the fig tree was the favorite tree under which Jews would retire to for prayer and for meditation. It was under the fig tree that Nathaniel would often go to to talk to the Lord. And only one knew of that special uh, time and deep conversations with God. Amen. The fig tree, if you begin to study the fig tree and look at different pictures and, and try to see what it looks like a little bit more clearly in your mind. The fig tree is not a regular tree with this long trunk and then branches that come up after six or eight or ten feet and kind of provide a canopy. But well, you can see the trunk of the tree. But many of the fig trees that you'll find, amen, are rather a low-lying tree with low-hanging branches. 
In other words, it's more like a large bush. It's more like a tree that comes down as a bush and begins to, the, the, the branches, they fall to the ground. And it's this canopy, it's this, if you will, this hiding place. So Nathaniel was in a under a fig tree, and it was a secret place. Amen. Psalms not once says he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And so as Nathaniel went back and again and again to that fig tree and began to pull back the branches and begin to find his way into the fig tree, let the branches fall back where they were. He realized in this fig tree, I am alone. I am in a secret place. Nobody can see me. This is my place of prayer, my, my prayer closet. This is my place of getting alone with God. And I talk to the Lord. And in that time of prayer, Nathaniel, no doubt, began to pray, God, your scriptures talk about there's going to be a Messiah. There's going to be a man that would come one day. And God, I'm just longing to see the promise come to pass in my life. And then suddenly Philip comes and finds Nathaniel and says, we found him, the king of the Jews. We found the Messiah, the one the Old Testament prophets and Moses talked about. Amen. And Nathaniel says, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Doubt, if you will. Amen. He says, come and see. And in the moment of Jesus meeting Nathaniel, Jesus says, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nobody else called you, Nathaniel. You were praying alone. You were in your prayer closet. You were talking about X, Y, and Z. Nathaniel, I want you to know that I heard you, and I saw you, and I see you coming towards me, and I know everything about you, Nathaniel, and I'm the man that you've been praying about. I'm the answer to your prayer. And Jesus revealed to Nathaniel in a moment that I saw you under the fig tree. That fig tree that was more like a bush that you could hide behind the branches and nobody else would see you. Nathaniel, I saw you. Can I tell somebody today you've been getting alone in prayer with God and thinking so many times, I wonder if God sees me. I wonder if God hears my prayer. I wonder if God even knows my name. Amen. I'm going to tell you, Nathaniel, I'm going to tell you, child of God, that when you was under the fig tree, when you was in your prayer closet, God saw you. God heard your prayer. And God is fixing to answer your prayer. And it's not, amen, as good as it gets. It's just going to keep getting better because with Jesus, it keeps getting better. It keeps getting better. Hallelujah. The interesting fact as well is that Philip knew exactly where to find Nathaniel. Philip was a friend of Nathaniel. If you read the Bible, amen, because when Jesus came into Philip's life, the first thing he was find his closest friend and say, hey, we found him, Paul. We found him. Come on. Come and see. He went right for his friend. And Philip knew that Nathaniel was going to be in his prayer closet. Philip knew. You know what? If I need to find Nathaniel, I know exactly where it's going to be. It's going to be right here in church. Every Sunday morning, if I need to find Brother Gutierrez, he's right in church. I know exactly where to find him. Do your friends. Amen. Do your friends know where to find you? Do your friends know that you've got a prayer life? Do your friends know, amen, at 6 o'clock every morning, don't call Nathan Hall. That's his time of prayer. Amen. At 7 o'clock p.m., don't call Brother Noah. That's his time of prayer. Do your friends know where to find you? Do your friends know 
life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. John chapter 1 verse 50. Jesus says thou shalt see greater things than these. Then Jesus. And here's where the two stories are connected. Because then Jesus begins to show Nathaniel the greater things that he talked about in chapter 1. These two stories are connected. You say, well, how's that so? Amen. If if you uh, begin to look into the details, you'll find that Cana of Galilee, where the marriage took place in chapter 2, was the hometown of Nathaniel. Cana of Galilee was the hometown of the disciple named Nathaniel. Another another gospel, his name is Bartholomew, but it's the same individual. Amen. But Cana of Galilee was his hometown. So Jesus talks to Nathaniel and says, you're going to see greater things than these. And then we find ourselves three days later at a wedding in Cana of Galilee in Nathaniel's hometown. And God is essentially saying, I'm going to show you what I'm talking about, Nathaniel. You're going to see greater things than these. And chapter 2 begins with Jesus and his four new disciples. Amen. Uh, I think it's Peter and Andrew, Philip and Nathaniel. He shows up with them at a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And however, a problem begins to arise when the wedding party runs out of wine. And Jesus' mother, Mary, appealed to Jesus. And evidently, she uniquely understood that in Jesus' life, something had shifted. Amen. Mary understood in my son Jesus' life. I don't know what happened, but there's been a shift that's taken place in his life. And he's fixing to minister. I know there's inherent power that he possesses. Amen. But don't ever get ahead of God. Amen. That's why Jesus rebuked Mary. Amen. For trying to step in front of him. Amen. Jesus already knew the need that was represented at the wedding. And Mary tried to get in front of So Jesus, if you will, kind of rebuked her, if you will. He said, woman, what I'd like to do with thee, my hour's not yet come. Don't try to get ahead of Jesus. Don't try to say, well, I I think I know what he ought to do. Let me tell him what he needs to do. Mary understands what takes place with this interchange with Jesus. And her response begins to shift. And now her response is, whatever he says, do it. And she walks away. She looks to the servants and she says, you know what? Whatever he says, do it. I'm not going to try and tell him what to do. I'm not going to try and tell the Lord what to do or imply or hint at what he should do. I'm just going to say, God, whatever you want to do, Just do it. God, whatever you want me to do, I'm just going to do it, God. I'm just going to be obedient to your voice. And here today, whatever Jesus tells you to do, amen, stop going back and forth with Jesus and just say, God, if you said to do it, I'll do it. I'll submit myself. I'll follow you, God. If you say fill up six water pots of stone, fill them with water to the brim, and it doesn't make sense, God, it doesn't make any sense in my mind. I'll just do it because I know if I obey you, God, you'll turn everything around and my world will be turned upside down and life will get better and better if I'll just keep submitting to your will. Bible study shows us that the six stone water pots held roughly 25 gallons each. 
leading to a toll of 150 gallons of water. In a wedding with 150 gallons of water. Amen. We have once in a while, and we're having again next Sunday, but we're going to have a fellowship. We've had fellowships, but amen. If somebody walked in here with 150 gallons of milk, you'd be like, man, what do they think I'm that thirsty? Jesus says, take six water pots made of stone and fill them with water. Fill them to the brim, honey. Amen. Don't stop it. Amen. Don't fill it just a little bit of the way up. Fill it to the top. Amen. Sometimes, amen, I, I tell my wife, this is just a little bit of humor. Amen. She'll pour me a cup of tea for dinner, and she's, amen, prepares a table, and she'll pour it and leave this little bit of gap at the top of the cup. Because she don't want it to spill. She means well. But I'm thinking, why didn't you pour it to the top? I'm going to get a refill. But Jesus told the servants, get the water pots, fill them to the brim, fill them to the tippy top when you can't take no more of the water. Fill them up all the way full. This leaves us to believe that there was an overabundance of water that would soon become the wine that they would enjoy at this festive festivity. Amen. When Jesus does things in our lives, amen, he does it in exceeding abundant ways. Amen. It is the will of God that you and I be exceeding abundantly blessed, exceeding abundantly happy. Amen. That life be enriched. Amen. With the good things of life. Amen. It's not God's will that we come in. Amen. Moping. That we come in sad, always depressed. It's not God's will that you're always broke. That you're always in poverty. Amen. It's God's will. Hallelujah. That we would eat as they said in the Old Testament of the fruit of the land. Amen. Where the milk and the honey flows. Amen. God intended for you to live in abundance and for his people to be blessed. And God gives abundant blessing to the wedding participants on this day. Fill it to the brim. And in that moment, in that moment, the wine became as plentiful as water. You say, well, you know what? Uh, there's a limit to what I can experience in the world. Yes, there's a limit. But when you come into the fellowship of the body of believers, and you come into the fold that God has here in Lathrop, amen, there's endless supply of goodness and richness of life. Amen. You can come and you can find your way to an old-fashioned apostolic altar and be filled with the Spirit. And you know what? It doesn't just stop. Amen. God sometimes says, you know what? I want it. I want them to get drunk in the Holy Ghost. I want them to overflow. And you can speak in tongues for hours. And you know what? As the first hour passes by, it doesn't get older. It doesn't get more stale. It doesn't get more stagnant. It gets better. It gets better. You begin to see more in God. And living for God gets sweeter as the days go by. And greater and greater things begin to happen in the the life of the individual that is connected to the source of supply. But wine became as plentiful as water, letting us know that with God all nothing shall be impossible. Let me tell you like this, the culture of the world around us, amen, is to give you the best first. 
The culture of the world that we live in is to give you the best first. I don't know if you understand me tonight. The culture of this world is, I want you to backslide, so I'm going to show you that that good-looking figure of a man with all the muscles and all the money and everything, whatever it is that you think you might want. I'm going to show you. Uh, I'm going to show you that that beautiful house, the beautiful car, and the, and the fast life. And I'm going to show you all of these things. I'm going to show you the best that the world has to offer. But what you don't, you're not ever told, is that it goes from best to worst with the world. Right. It goes from having a good time on Friday night, to, Amen, as you break free of the chains of the church, just so to speak, and you say, well, "I'm going to live it up for myself, for the world. I'm going to have a good time." And you know what? It's the best it's ever going to get the first time. Because each and every following time, it gets worse and worse. The culture of the world, as we see in the wedding of Cain of Galilee, was to give you the best first. Amen. And then to just weaken it, weaken it, weaken it until you're left with nothing. And it's just diluted nonsense, diluted mess, and something that doesn't give you, amen, satisfaction. But God, aren't you thankful, always runs counterculture to the world. Amen. God gives you the Holy Ghost. Amen. God gives you repentance. He gives water baptism. And he says, honey, I'm just getting started. Nathaniel, you're going to see greater things than these. You're going to see greater things than these. I'm going to show you that it's always going to get better and better and better. Because with Jesus, it keeps getting better and better and better and better. And so Jesus shows Nathaniel in chapter 2. That at the wedding, I am going to get, I'm going to make sure that at the end, it is as best as it's ever going to get. But it's going to keep building. It's going to keep going up. It's going to get higher and higher, better and better, greater and greater. Yes, amen. Some of you can get deceived thinking, well, the devil showed me the bright lights, introduced me to the best that the world has to offer. But then begins the downhill free fall into sin. I was hearing just recently a testimony of a, uh, if you were listening to, uh, I happened to listen to Ladies Day at Ladies Day Landmark in, in Stockton. And the young lady that was giving her testimony began to talk about how she went into a life of homosexuality. And she said the life of homosexuality was great in the very beginning. Because she could do whatever she wanted to give it to every whim. But she says as she began to live that life and time began to transpire, it began to get worse and worse and worse. And she began to hate herself and she began to find herself in situations that she, she despised. And she felt the pain and the regret and the shame until eventually the devil said, you know, why don't you just kill yourself? Because the culture and the, the pattern of this world is to show you the best it has to offer and then keep taking you down just to get you by the get that hook in the jaw and to pull you away from Christ. But it gets worse and worse and worse. Hallelujah. But Jesus offers a completely different alternative. He says, if you come to an altar, if you repent of your sins, turn your back on the world and give your heart to me, I'll give you my spirit. I'll wash away sins in the watery grave of baptism and it will get better and better and better and better. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Aren't you thankful that our God runs things counterculture to the world? Stand with me today. Amen as I close this service. Hallelujah. The story from Nathaniel's calling to follow Jesus to the wedding in Cana of Galilee. Where Jesus turned the water into wine. It teaches us a few things. Number one, it teaches us that human life is is intended to be a festive celebration of relationship with God and with one another. This story is meant to teach us that God wants you and I to enjoy life. When we're connected to him. If it will begin. Under the proverbial fig tree. Like Nathaniel. In a place of prayer. You'll see greater things. That the wine. Or the drink of celebration. Has run out. Represents that the joyful composition of happiness. That was originally founded in the garden of Eden. And intended for the world. It has run out. Because of sin. The world reaches a place. Amen. Where the the moment in the story in chapter 2. And Mary talks to Jesus. And says the wine's run out. As we prayed earlier. For our lost family members. I want to challenge someone today. I want you to begin praying, God, let the wine run out in their lives. Hear me today. Let the wine begin to run out, God, in their lives. That they'll look up and they'll say, we're out of wine. The party's over and everything's fizzled. You're still celebrating. Give me some of the new wine. But let us with all of our hearts begin to pray, God. For Ian, for Sarah, for for our family members, those that are lost, let the wine begin to run out in their lives. Let them find themselves in a place that they'll reach out to God and say, God, this world has left me dry. This world has left me parched. This world has left me dissatisfied. I need the real thing. It seemed good in the beginning, but now it's just ugly. Amen. You hear my father's testimony. Amen. Of living in sin before he came to Christ. And he'll tell you in the beginning. Amen. It was it was all sorts of sensations and fun and excitement. But as he began to journey through the life of sin, he'll tell you it got disgusting. It got filthy. Amen. There was no satisfaction anymore. The songer, amen, songer, the songwriter in the world says it can't get no satisfaction. Amen. You can't get none in the world anymore. And God, let the wine run out in our family's lives. That is away from God. Let the wine begin to run out. That they'll lift their eyes to you, Jesus. Let's pray that today before we move forward. Would you lift your hands with me? Would you begin to pray, God, in my family's life, my son, my daughter, my grandkids, my husband, my wife, 
God, whatever it would be, God, I pray, God, you would cause the wine to run out in their lives. Let the wine begin to run out, that they'll reach out to God, that they'll say, Jesus, that this world has left me, amen, alone, abandoned. I need Jesus. I need the real thing. I need the real thing. And honey, when they tell you, Grandma, Grandpa, Daddy, Mama, Husband, Wife, they say the wives run out. It's not time to argue. It's not time to convince them. It's time to say, come and see. Come and see. Come and see what God's done in my life. Come and see an apostolic church that's on fire for God. Come and see the wine, the new wine. Come on, lift your voice. Come on, lift your voice. Worship here right now. Come on, I challenge you right now to say, God, fill me again. Fill me again with the new wine. God, fill me again with the new wine. Come on, I need some saints to begin to lift their voice. I need some folks to begin to help me pray, Jesus. Help me, God, to experience what you have for my life. Come on, God wants to do something in this place this morning. Come on, God wants to do something in this place this morning. Come on, God wants to do something in this place this morning. Let me tell you today, hallelujah, if you want what God has for you, if you believe this preacher on this Sunday morning, I'm challenging you to get out from your seat and to make your way to an altar. Amen. And just come with your hands uplifted. And I'm here to tell you that God sees each and every one of you as you are coming to Him, as you are making your way. And you're saying, okay, God, I've heard the invitation. I've heard Philip and tell me about the Lord. I've heard the invitation of the preacher. I'll get out from where I am, and I'll make my way to you. If you'll believe me today, if you'll respond to the preaching today, and you'll get out, you'll begin to come. I'm here to tell you that there's greater things that God wants to do in your life. There's greater things that God wants to do in somebody's life today. Come on, come on, come on, lift him up. Come on, lift up the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord.
Help me, God, to experience what you have for my life. Bless me. Come on in the name of Jesus.